Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good evening, I'm Chuan Tiantian with your Market View. Now, much has happened over the past week, ranging from Jerome Powell's testimony to Congress and to Singapore's $1.5 billion package to help businesses and households fight inflation. And on the whole, it has been a rather volatile and tumultuous past quarter for global markets. We saw key asset classes sold off aggressively as central banks and investors play catch-up with further unwelcomed steep rise in inflation and mouth the possibility of a recession. Now, while it can be easy to get carried away by the fear of further interest rate hikes down the road, economists believe that there are several key takeaways to watch out for as objective goalposts for the economy and markets for the rest of the year. So what are some of these goalposts per se? And as always, how should investors calibrate their portfolios in the remaining months of the year? For more, I'm joined by Elvin Liu, Senior Economist at UOB. Hi, Mr. Liu. Hi. Hi, Mr. Liu. Let's get started with some of the questions. UOB released the quarterly global outlook report. And in that report, you mentioned several key takeaways for the rest of this year. Now, we'll deep dive into them later on, but very briefly, what are those? Okay, just to run through some of our key mm. macro and market themes for the second half of this year. The Fed will be pretty much the central focus of a lot of the attention. Mm. Uh, more aggressive Fed rate hikes expected to come in in terms of front-loading of the rate hikes, lifting the Fed rates to possibly above three, most likely above 3% by the mm. end of this year. And then when we look at the impact on the currency market side, mm. then the US dollar, we will expect it to stay strong as mm. the Fed at least the global monetary policy tightening. In terms of growth, there are some themes along that line as well. For the US, we do see slower growth. We have revised our growth outlook for this year. We are looking at now about 2% and next year could be slower 1.5%. No recession yet, but certainly the rate hikes itself coming from the Fed, right, would see as one of the factors to see slower growth expectations from the US among other external factors as well. China-wise, we have also revised our growth lower. We are looking at 4.1% this year, followed by a recovery to about 5.5% next year. I think there's quite a mixed picture for quite a downside picture for China right now, because given the the policies, the zero COVID policy itself. Mm. But uh, I think we are still expecting some rebound coming in from the second biggest economy next year. And in terms of most of the other major economies, I think one key theme that runs through is definitely on the inflation front. It's definitely Mm. likely to see it higher, but we are cautiously looking at a more moderate inflation picture coming into focus next year, 2023. Hmm. Maybe let's start with the interest rate hikes first because we see the Fed having that aggressive front-loading of rate hikes. To what extent do you think that will be mirrored by other economies in the coming months? I think this is a, this is a quite interesting picture right hmm. now whereby if you go back to a few months uh, at the start of the year whereby a lot of other uh, major central uh, developed economies, central banks have already started moving on rates and Fed hasn't done much. Mm. And then you fast forward to the midpoint of the year, Fed is seen as the more most aggressive among the major central banks. Mm. And the um, interesting picture, of course, comes into the second half of the year, right in the in the month of July, whereby ECB is expected to finally start uh, hiking rates. I think they have been pretty much late into the game mm. uh, due to, I think, there's many of considerations. But um, I think the expectation is that 
they might be following in terms of the magnitude itself. Mm. It's quite similar to the Fed where he first started with a 25 and this is what market is expecting from the ECB. If we move to the other major markets, mm. a lot of them have already hiked and some of them ahead of the Fed itself. But of course, the the magnitude itself is not seen as aggressive given the Fed had just done uh, 75 basis points. These banks are what we um, we are talking about, like uh, Reserve Bank of New Zealand, which has already hiked for, and Bank of England. Mm-hmm. And of course, the joining them in the recent weeks, I guess, months, uh, recent weeks, I guess, is the Reserve Bank of Australia. And we've moved the picture to the central banks for the picture of the Asian side, right? We mm. do see that some of the Asian banks have already moved. Some move much earlier than others. Of course, we are talking about Bank of Korea. We have started the move much earlier. But in the ASEAN context, we had, of course, Bank Nagara, Malaysia, and mm. uh, Philippine Central Bank. Then in the second half of this year, we do expect to see other central banks in the region joining them. Uh, that would be Bank of Indonesia and uh, Bank of Thailand. But one key difference perhaps is in the uh, more broad stroke across is that we don't expect them to be hiking in that kind of aggressive manner compared to what the Fed is doing. Mm. Bring the attention back into the US because uh, most economies will be following the U- US as you mentioned. The UOB report says that with the interest rate hikes, you see slower GDP growth of that 1.5% next year which you which you mentioned, but no recession yet. But we mm. earlier we saw Wall Street economists saying that there's a 30% chance, something that is even up to 50% chance of having a recession over the next year. Help us understand where is UOB coming from and what are the factors that were taken into consideration? Uh, I think when we look at the initial outlook itself, mm. definitely we are seeing them from coming up from still from the recovery from COVID, and there was a very strong side uh, from demand from the from the domestic economy in in US alone itself, and broadly in terms of the global economy, that uh, we do see that the the trade picture remains fairly strong. But of course, now on the backdrop of the more aggressive Fed rate hikes itself, mm. the consumption patterns may may most likely see uh, some hit on on the cons- consumption demand. But uh, as the Fed, government, Fed chair has put, right, I think there are two forces at play in terms of the inflation. One mm. part, portion is the supply-side driven factors. One, of course, we are referring to the COVID-19 related measure uh, issues uh, on supply chain disruptions. But the also side of it that is more recent and more more in focus right now will be on the commodity prices due to the, the Russian-Ukraine uh, conflict itself. But if we move back to the picture of the demand side itself, demand in US is still very robust and you can mm-hmm. see that mirrored also by the employment picture. But what we do expect is that when rate hikes are coming in, right, that will bring those levels down and closer towards the where the supply issues are and therefore mm. hopefully that will help moderate that inflation outlook with growth moderating but not touching a recession. Mm. Perhaps one of the more interesting examples that was given in recent weeks was mm-hmm. by St. Louis Fed President Luke Bullard where he pointed to in the 1994 hike, rate hiking mm. cycle in the Fed where coincidentally, they also did, uh, that was the last time they did a 75 basis point hike in that cycle. Mm. That cycle itself saw the growth moderate for a bit, but before, thereafter, right, the growth Mm. in US actually went on pretty much very strong for the subsequent few years Mm. until I think they reached towards the 2000.com bus cycle. Mm. That will be another cycle itself. But that itself gives you, it is not, 
inevitable that every Fed rate hike cycle ends in a recession when uh, the 1994 is an example. Mm, so in other words, a soft landing is possible. In that case, going by that 1.5% GDP growth next year, to what extent will this economic growth in US send ripple effects across Asia, China and also in Singapore? Mm, definitely because um, of the US being such an important mm-hmm. end consumer market for a lot of countries. And um, that itself, when U.S. growth slows, right, that would definitely have that impact on the demands. Of course, that's the demand side. Then uh, that would translate into lower demand for imports and that will affect quite a bit of the outlook in the region. And in those, in terms of those with uh, exports kind of dependent or driven economies, that will actually see a more how you say, mm-hmm. meaningful material downside impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in our case for how we look at Singapore's growth, I think this year we should, we are still quite confident we will get a above 3% growth mm-hmm. this year. We're looking at 3.5%. But next year, right, we did downgrade our growth outlook because of the, the higher interest rate environment and therefore the mm-hmm. lower consumer demands, uh, the, the hit on consumer demand, and therefore we have that weakness, weaker growth outlook in for Singapore itself at 2% in 2023. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Elvin Liu, Senior Economist at UOB. Mr Liu, let's turn our attention to look at Singapore. This $1.5 billion package announced to support mm-hmm. firms and households. To what extent is it effective in mitigating inflationary pressures? Okay, I think we do need to separate the, the why the, the needs for that mm. package itself is to help a household cope with the effects of inflation. So that in itself does not help to materially, does not adjust the inflation number that we see mm-hmm. that impacts us. What does help to somewhat cushion that in, the, the inflation mm-hmm. is our monetary policy, mm-hmm. which we have seen that has been tightened for the, I think for three times since uh, October last year. Mm-hmm. And in largely because our economy here is um, largely import dependent, we do not produce a lot of things here and we import a lot more things. Mm-hmm. And that our monetary policy is also unique in the sense that it is um, exchange rate targeting. It's targeted to the, the uh, monetary policy via the sing dollar NER. Mm, the SNEER. So, yes, mm. the NEER. So in that sense, we see that if you have you have tightened our monetary policy, right, that at, the, at least at the margin will help us cushion the impact of imported mm. inflation. And on that note, I do want to ask, with the country tightening their monetary policy for three times this year already, do we expect further monetary policy tightening when MAS meets later this year? I think from our uh, UOB's perspective, yes, mm-hmm. we do expect it to be tightened and I think some of the indicators that we will follow will be definitely on the inflation front, especially on core inflation. Mm. And I think as core inflation has already exceeded 3%, I think the latest read was 3.6%. As it pushed us towards 4%, I think we are expecting definitely in the October meeting further mm. tightening. That's um, They go by the slope or the pace of appreciation itself. Mm. Currently, we estimate it at one5 mm. Our expectations at October is a 2% slope. Mm -hmm. But we do highlight in our recent reports that given that there is quite a considerable time lag between now and October, there Mm -hmm. may be opportunities for, I would say, what happened at the start of the year where where there was an off cycle. Mm -hmm. We do not rule that out. And Mm, I think we Mm -hmm. will see uh, some of the key 
uh, one of the key ind- indications for us definitely will be on the inflation numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Mr. Liu, one very quick question before we go. We continue to see those volatilities, ongoing inflation, interest rate hikes. What should investors be doing right now? How should they calibrate their portfolio? Should they be turning to safe haven assets or commodities? And what are your recommendations at the moment? Well, I would put it that um, from the economics point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is uh, in I would say that this cycle itself was necessary because of the of the inflation developments. But I think we look at it nece- not necessarily that when we are looking at slower growth, but going forward itself. When by I think we mm. the, while there is that when interest rates are high, there is the risk of higher risk of inflation uh, of of a recession. This is again like what I mentioned just now. This is not an inevitable situation, mm. and there are cases in the past of a of a recession. This is again like what I mentioned just now. This is not an inevitable situation, mm. and there are cases in the past whereby we saw similarly aggressive Fed hike. So I think in terms of how investors should be positioning themselves, in terms of I think the usual mantra will still apply that they still need to be looking at a diversified portfolio. But at mm. the same time, right, because I think inflation remains, I think, a clear and present uh, risk. Mm. So there may be other safe haven assets that um, investors may be considering to uh, as, um, hedge for inflation, for example. Mm. Certainly. Thank you very much, Mr. Liu. That was Elvin Liu, Senior Economist at UOB. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.